Amen. Well, we are in Matthew chapter 10. And as uh, you open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 10, we are actually in a very interesting portion of Scripture. And just so you understand, just so you know, we are really in a place where Jesus is teaching and training His disciples. And how amazing it is for this, right, to, to be under the greatest teacher of all time. How amazing it is to be taught and trained in the ministry by Jesus. The one who contains all wisdom and knowledge. Being trained by the very best. And what's awesome for us is that you and I are actually being taught by Jesus today. He's the one that's going to be training us. He's the one that's going to be just showing us and, and really just revealing to us what is required as Christians. You know, we have His Word, and not only does He give us His Word, but He also gives us His Spirit. His Spirit to teach us all things. And when we think about that, right, we have His Spirit, and we have His Word. Imagine this, and I want you to meditate on this. How Jesus wants to equip us. Right, because He gives us His Word, and He gives us His Spirit, because He wants to equip us and to teach us to be like Him. To become more like Him. You know what? He, he gives us His Word, right? And He gives us all the information and all the power that we need to become like Him. See, as Christians, understand this. We are called to become like Jesus. This is what He calls us to be. This is what He wants us to be. And, and this is what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. Remember, as we shared last week in Matthew 10, 25... Where Jesus said this, He said that a disciple is to be like His teacher and a servant like His master. So in other words, we are to be like Him. This is what He's teaching us. This is what He wants us to walk away with. Christians are to be like Jesus. To do as He says. To, to have His values. To have His priorities. To have His character. To be like the teacher. To be like the master. But how is it that we become like Him? Think about this, right? How is it that we become like Him? You know what? As, we, as we're given all the information, He's given us all that we need. He's given us His, His Word. He's given us His Spirit. All we're asked to do now is to submit to Him. It's, it's to do as, as He has instructed us, to be doers of the Word. See, I pray that His Word and His Spirit today will open our eyes on how to be like Jesus. How many of us here, and I'm going to throw this question out to all of us. How many of us know what is required in a disciple? How many of us know what is required to be a disciple of Jesus? You know, this is what He wants to show us today. This is what He's going to reveal to us today, what it means to be a disciple, what is required in a disciple. And I want to share with you this. Today's message is called The Principles on Discipleship. And so what the Lord is going to give us today is He's going to give us seven principles on discipleship. Seven principles on discipleship. So if we call ourselves Christian, understand this. This is what He expects from us. This is what He requires in us. And so as we hear these, some of you may be saying, you know what? This is too hard. I can't do it. I want you to know this. You're absolutely right that you can't do it. But I'm going to also reveal this truth. The truth is, is that He can do it through you. 
God can do this through you. What is required of a disciple, as we submit to the will of God, as we submit to the Spirit of God, He can do it through you. Understand as discipleship is becoming, is about becoming like Jesus, we are all here because we want change. And the best change in the world is to become like Jesus. I mean, as we think about this, does this settle well within our hearts to know that, you know what, we all want change, right? But understand this, the best change in the world is to become like Jesus. The end result is becoming like Jesus, is being like Him. And today it's about walking in Him. And so I pray that as I have just spoken to you, giving you some introduction here, that, that you are all just anxious to know how to become like Jesus and and wanting to become like Jesus. And so with that, let's go ahead and begin to read here in, in Matthew chapter 10, beginning in verse 26. And it says this, Therefore do not fear them, for there is nothing covered that will not be revealed, and hidden that will not be known. Whatever I tell you in the dark, speak in the light, and what you hear in the ear, preach on the housetops. And do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul, but rather fear Him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a copper coin? And not one of them falls to the ground apart from, the, from your Father's will. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Do not fear, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. Therefore, whoever confesses me before men, him I will also confess before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, him I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. Do not think that I came to bring peace on earth, I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, and a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's enemy will be those of his own household. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He who finds his life will lose it, and he who loses his life for my sake will find it. He who receives you receives me, and he who receives me receives him who sent me. He who receives a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward, and he who receives a righteous man in the name of a righteous man will receive a righteous man's reward. And whoever gives one of these little ones only a cup of cold water in the name of a disciple, assuredly, I say to you, he shall by no means lose his reward. You know, as we have read here, as we're going to conclude Matthew chapter 10, you know what, there are seven principles that the Lord gives us here on discipleship. And let's begin to look at these principles as we examine the first verse. Here that we read in verse 26, and, and it says there, it says, Therefore do not fear them, for there is nothing covered that will not be revealed, and hidden that will not be known. 
You know, if we go a few verses up, I just want you to know this. If we go a few verses up to verse 22, Jesus told the apostles, He said, And you will be hated by all. You will be hated by all. See, He continues on this theme throughout the remainder of, the, uh, of these verses, all the way to verse 26. And this was the reason why He said, Do not fear them. See, the reason why Jesus gives us this, right, as He's, as we speak here, I want to give you the first principle. The first principle on discipleship, on being a disciple of Jesus, is that disciples do not fear the world. That's our first principle. Disciples do not fear the world. We just read how Jesus says that, you know what, we're going to be hated by all. But then Jesus says, don't fear them. And I want to talk about this, see, because as people, understand this, as Christians, we can be very afraid of what the world can do to us, right? See, we can be very afraid of speaking truth. We can be very afraid to share Jesus. And why is this? It's because the world doesn't accept Jesus Christ. And many, and much of the world doesn't want to accept truth. They don't want to hear the truth. They don't want to hear the truth from the Word of God. I want to remind you of another important truth. As Jesus told us, as we mentioned last week in John fifteen eighteen, He says, if the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. See, the natural tendency for us to, the natural tendency for any person is to retreat because of fear, right? It's to, it's to be overwhelmed and, and cautious because of a, of a hating world. And this is a world that we live in. But if we call ourselves Christians, understand this, a disciple of Christ is not to fear the world. This is what Jesus is saying. A disciple of Jesus Christ is not to fear the world because if we are worried about what the world thinks or what the world does, then we can't be a disciple of Jesus. See, remember Jesus, what I mentioned earlier, right? He said that, you know what, a, a student is to be like his teacher, a, a servant is to be like his master, Let's look at Jesus, right? Because we are called to be like Him. Remember Jesus. Did Jesus care what the world thought of Him? I don't think Jesus cared about what the world thought of Him. Was He so concerned about what they said or what they thought? Was He afraid of the world? See, again, we are reminded of, of being like Jesus. Jesus wasn't afraid of the world. He wasn't afraid of what people thought. He wasn't afraid of what they said about Him. And I take comfort in what Jesus is going to share with us now. Because as he says here, in verse 26, he says, For there is nothing covered that will not be revealed, and hidden that will not be known. What is he talking about there? See, what Jesus wants us to know is that, why fear this world? See, one day the world is going to know and see truth, and they're going to understand this truth throughout eternity. See, every day, everything will one day be exposed. This is what Jesus is saying. Everything covered and everything hidden will be revealed and known one day. And the world that rejected Jesus will see this. Throughout eternity, understand this, they will know the truth. And they will be regretting the fact that they didn't yield to the truth. And they're going to see us, right, as, as we're there with Jesus. They're going to see us one day when they're being judged by Christ. And we're going to be there with Him. And they're going to see us. And imagine this, they're going to see and say, wow, look at them, they walked 
They weren't afraid of the world. They weren't afraid of us. And look at where they're sitting now. See, we are not to be worried about what the world thinks. They will one day realize they were wrong and we know one thing is that it will be too late for them. But let's go on to the second verse, to the second principle. It's here in verse 27. It says, Whatever I tell you in the dark, speak in the light, and what you hear in the ear, preach on the housetops. See, the second principle is, is, is this is that disciples share the message from Christ. Disciples share the message from Christ. See, what he's saying is, whatever you hear me speak, I want you to share it. Whatever you hear in your ear, I want you to preach from housetops. In other words, he wants us to proclaim the truth of the gospel. He wants us to share the message from Christ. Remember this, is that the Israelites were the ones that were chosen to share about God, right? Unfortunately, they failed. And when they failed, understand this, now Christians are the ones that are called to do what the Jews failed to do, and that is to share the message of Christ. See, as we go through these, understand is that disciples is what he's talking about. Disciples are students. And students are to share what the teacher teaches them. And Jesus wants us to understand our responsibility. He wants us to understand what is required of us. If you are not sharing what He taught you privately, this is what He's saying, or if you are not sharing what He spoke in your ear, then you are not much of a disciple. Imagine that. You are not much of a student, right? You are not much of a learner because you're not sharing what He said. Remember, this is a great commission. This is a command from God from Matthew 18, beginning in verse 20. He talks about how He commands us to teach all that He taught. He's commanding us to teach all that He taught us. And this is why when Paul, in Paul in his boldness, right, in his confidence, he, said, he shares this from Romans 1.16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. I want to bring this home so that you guys could all understand this, right? So you men and women can understand this. Imagine this. Imagine if your boss, right, for those of you that are employed today, for those of you that have an an earthly boss, imagine if your boss kept asking you to share this with your other employees, to share this with those beneath you, or to share this with your co-workers. And you would never share. You would keep it to yourself. After time, what do you think your boss would do to you? He'd write you up or sometime, or maybe he'd let you go, right? Because you refuse to do as he is asking you to do. Imagine this. I want you to have this understanding of Jesus Christ. He is the greatest employer that you will ever know. He is the King of Kings. He is the Lord of Lords. He is greater than any earthly boss will ever be to you. And He is asking you, according to His Word, to share what He has shared with you. This is what it means to be a good disciple. This is what it means to share His message. Let's go to the third principle. And it comes here in verse 28. It says, And do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul, but rather fear Him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a copper coin? 
and not one of them falls to the ground apart from your Father's will. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Do not fear, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. The third principle that I want to share with you is that disciples fear God. This is what Jesus is saying here, that we are to fear the Lord. We are to fear Him. Disciples fear God. See, as Jesus is teaching and training His disciples, He is reminding them of how important it is to fear God. He is saying, fear the one who destroys your body and your soul. Remember the world, what he was talking about, the world, don't fear the world because the world, all they can do is is kill the body, right? But they cannot kill your soul. The world cannot kill your soul. That is who you really are. Did you know that this body that's covering, it's covering who you are. Understand that, that it is, the person that is us is the spirit that's within us, the soul that's within us. That is who you really are. The, the covering that you have is only your flesh. And this is what Jesus is saying, right? This is what, what he's reminding us is that fear the one that can kill both body and soul. Because see, when you die, understand this, when you die, your body stays here, right? This is what happens to our body. It stays here and it comes to what? It comes to ashes, But it is your spirit that will either go to heaven or to hell. And that's where it's going to live. And so this is why Jesus is saying, fear the one that can kill both the body and the soul. See, disciples are to have a fear of God. Understand this, you and I are to have a fear of God. We're to be in awe of Him. We're to fear Him for what He can do. We're also to be reverent uh, towards Him, right? Because we fear Him. But I want you to know that in Christianity today, this is what has been lost. In Christianity today, they have lost their fear of God. Christians today have lost their fear of God. This is why people that are in this world today that call themselves Christians are practicing sin. And they see nothing wrong with it because they have lost their fear of God. They have lost, they have lost this principle. They, they don't have this principle in their mind or in their heart. That's why they can live the way they live, because they have lost a fear of God. But God wants to remind us of how important this is. He wants to remind us that, you know what, that we should live as disciples, as students of Christ, in the fear of God. And He wants you to understand how great our God is. He wants you to say, Jesus is going to teach us now, He wants to show us, You know what? Look at this God that you serve. He is so great and He is so mighty. This is the one you should fear. And so He gives two illustrations. The first one is about the two sparrows, right? Sold for a copper coin. Two sparrows sold for a copper coin. I want you to know that this copper coin is very significant. And it actually comes from the Greek word, or it is a Greek word. If you translate the word coin here, the copper coin, it is the word Assyrian. And the word Assyrian, what it means, it means it is a coin of little value. So what we have here is we have a coin of little value. In other words, this coin of little value is like a penny, right? That is the lowest value of money that we have, right, is a penny. That's what he's trying to say. That two sparrows, as he says there, that two sparrows can be bought for a penny, right? And as as we think about this, right, that... That two, uh, that two 
sparrows are sold for a penny. Jesus is reminding us about the value of a sparrow. Sparrows aren't worth much, are they? And I'm going to tell you why they're not worth much, because none of us are out there standing in line trying to buy sparrows, right? See, when we see sparrows, I understand this, is that sparrows are all over California, aren't they? These birds are all over the place, right? You see them here, you see them chirping outside. Sparrows are all over. That's, they're of no value to us. These are those, in case you don't know what a sparrow is, a sparrow is those gray birds with, with the brown feathers, right? Some of them actually have a, a yellowish tone to their chest. These are what sparrows are. And as we think about this, right, they're not of much value because they're everywhere. For us, we don't think of them, right? And, and as we see here, God is revealing to us that, you know what, that, that, they're of value, that their value is only of a, of a copper coin. What's so amazing about this is I'm going to give you something that happened to me this past week. I have a fountain in my front yard and, and in the fountain there's all this water, right? And I saw this sparrow. It had the yellowish tone and it, it went into the fountain and it began to bathe itself. And my eyes were fixed on it, right? I was saying, wow, look at them. I mean, look at how they bathe themselves. Look at how they clean themselves, right? And I was thinking to myself, you know what? That's, that's amazing. But one thing that Jesus wants to do here is to show you how great the God is that you serve. And he tells us there that God is keeping his eyes on all sparrows. My eyes could only be on one sparrow, but God's eyes are on all sparrows. And imagine this, not, the, not all the cameras in the world can ever catch all the, pharaoh, all the sparrows that fall to the ground. There's not a, all the cameras in the world that can do this, but the God that we serve can. The God that we serve keeps His eyes on all sparrows. And understand this, is that it is, not, it, is his, it is His will when they fall. So every single sparrow falls. It cannot fall unless it is in the will of God. And He keeps His eye on every single one of them. The other illustration that He gives, because He wants us to know of how much value we are, he talks about the numbering of hairs on people's head. Okay? He tells us, Jesus tells us that God numbers every hair that is on someone's head. For some of us, including myself, there's not a whole lot to number anymore. But for some of you, there's a lot to number. And I want to give you some interesting uh, statistics here, and it's going to blow your mind. Natural blondes. Okay, I'm not talking about colored blondes. I'm not talking about blondes that have their hair colored. Right? I'm talking about natural blondes. Natural blondes have an average of 150,000 hairs. Imagine that. 150,000 hairs you have on your head. That's a lot of hair. What about natural redheads? Again, natural redheads, okay. The natural redheads actually have the least of all hair. They only have 90,000 hair. The black and the brown haired have an average of 100 to 110,000 hairs on their head. 
But you know what's so amazing about what Jesus reveals to us? How difficult would it be to you, for you to number every single hair? Imagine this. See, Jesus just doesn't count them and says, okay, you know what? There's a hundred thousand. And he just gives us a sum. Did you know that he counts every single one? So the hair that's closest to your ear is number one. And then the hair that's all the way on your left side, close to your scalp, on top, to the left, that would be 990,000. Jesus knows every hair that's numbered. It's not just giving you a sum. It's giving you, He's telling you that He knows every hair and He numbers every hair. This is the God that we serve. Who else can do this? Can anyone else do this? No one else can do this but the God that we serve. And this is why Jesus is saying that, you know what, that I know every insignificant birth that falls to the ground and I know every hair that is numbered on your hair. You are to fear me. Fear the one that, can, that has this ability, that has this capability, that has this power. You are to fear me. As we go on to the next principle of discipleship, he gives it to us here in verse 32. And he says this, Therefore, whoever confesses me before men, him I will also confess before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, him I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. The fourth principle I want you to know is this. Disciples confess Christ. They do not deny Christ. Disciples confess Christ, they do not deny Christ. See, if you are a disciple of Christ, He is telling us, do not deny me before other men. You are to confess me before others. I want you to understand the word confess, because see, this is important for us to understand, right? As Jesus gives us His word and He teaches us these principles, the word confess means this, to admit or to acknowledge. So you are to admit, you are to acknowledge that you are a Christian, that you are a follower of Christ. If you call yourself a Christian, a disciple of Christ will not deny Him before others. No matter if the times are good or if the times are bad. You will not be ashamed to call yourself a Christian, a disciple of Christ. If you are ashamed or you deny Him, Understand this, He will also deny you. As I mentioned earlier, right? In the world that we live in, Jesus Christ is not very popular, right? He's not the in thing. We know that the world hates Christ. We know that the world hates Him and, and they're going to hate those that follow Him. And so this is not the very popular thing to do. But understand this, that doesn't matter. Because you and I have been called to not deny Him, but to confess Him. Otherwise, He's going to deny us. See, as a disciple, we are to be proud. It is an honor and a privilege to be a Christian, to be serving the living God, to be called a child of God. Because we belong to the King of Kings. We belong to God Almighty. But yet, as people, Jesus knows that we struggle with this. This is why He's bringing this to our attention. Jesus knows the inner struggles within us. He knows that we live in a world and, and in this world, you know what, they hate Him and so we're prone to deny Him to belong to the world. But Jesus is saying, none of that with me. 
if you are true to who you are and and following me, then you must stand up and you must say and acknowledge that you are a disciple. And see, we see this happening in the Bible, right? Remember Peter? How many times did Peter deny Jesus? Three times. Not just once, but three times. So Jesus knows that this is something that can happen within us, right? But we know one thing is that when Peter finally realized what it meant to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, Peter confessed his sin. See, at my work, understand this, when I worked, right, when I was in the workforce, believe me, in the beginning it was challenging. But after I heard this verse and I realized that, you know what, if I am to be a disciple of Christ, I cannot deny Him. Once I began to understand how important it is to stand up for who I am, to stand strong in what I am and, 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 and the Christ in me, then then you know what, then, 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 then that's what I did. See, I want you to know that it can be very lonely at your jobs. How many of you, because of your Christianity, experienced loneliness at your jobs? I know I do. I did. It was a very difficult thing, right? Because guess what? The, the people, the people of the world, they want to party. They want to have a good time. And they know that when they're with you, in their eyes, they're not going to be having a great time, right? Because you don't drink or party or smoke dope and do the things that they do, right? Or you don't speak the way they do. So, you know what? So they don't want to be around you. But understand this. You know what's greater than the world hanging out with you? It's the fact that Christ hangs out with you. It's the fact that Jesus Christ will be with you. See, and that's what I finally began to understand. That, you know what? I took my comfort in knowing that Jesus was with me. I didn't have to worry about anyone else. And I wanted people to know that I was a Christian. Why? Because they would see the Christ in me and it would give me an opportunity to begin to do what He gave us, which was His second principle, which was to share the message of Christ. They begin to ask you, you know, why are you so different? You know what? Talk to me about, you know, who you are. Why is this? I mean, you don't do this. Why don't you do this? It gives me the opportunity to confess Christ, to not deny Him. And this is why John was able to say this in 1 John 4, 15. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. Imagine this. This is the principle. This is us as disciples that we are not to confess him and uh, that we are to confess him, but we are not to deny him. Let's go to the fifth principle and it's here in verse 34. It says, do not think that I came to bring peace on earth, I did not come to bring peace but a sword. For I have come to set a a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's enemies will be those of his own household. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Do you want to know what the fifth principle of discipleship is? Is that disciples love Christ more than family. And I really want you to understand really what Jesus is sharing with us here. See, if we begin to examine our family, who are the people that you love most? Your family, right? But if we go deeper, who are the people that you even love more in your family? 
You love your parents and you love your children. See, the most influential people in your life are your parents. And the ones that you will do anything for are your children. But what Jesus says here is that you've got to love me more than them. Imagine that. You've got to love, love me more than your family. More than your parents, more than your children, more than anyone. And he tells us what he did, right? Because one of the things that we know as Jesus comes into this world, and when we surrender our lives to him, he says he came with a sword. And what does it mean when he says, I came with a sword? Imagine this, when you put a sword down and, and you put it before, before something, and what does the sword do? It divides both, right? The sword immediately divides what was united. And this is exactly what happens. See, because you must be rem- reminded that your family that aren't Christians, they're still a part of the world. And because they're a part of the world, what happens there is that they don't readily accept you. They don't readily acknowledge and say, oh, you know what, I'm so glad you're a Christian now. Because, see, they still hate Jesus, right? Because they're not fully surrendered to Jesus. And we must, remind, we must be reminded that division was made. And, and I want to share this with you. When, when I first came to know Christ, and I talked about this last week, my, my parents strongly urged me to give up this faith, to come back to religion. And believe me, it was challenging at times. But because we stood firm, myself, my brother, and one of my sisters, that today my, my mom and my dad are serving Christ. But it's, he, did that, he brought that sword. And this is the way it is. And, and I want you to understand what Jesus is trying to say here because it goes further than this because you and I love our parents so much. I'm going to first talk about parents here. And you respect them so much that you are willing to do as they say. But if you love them more than Christ, you are not worthy of Christ. See, when our parents tell us not to follow Christ, we are to listen to Christ over our parents. We honor our parents, we respect our parents, but who do you love more? You love Christ more. What about with our kids? We love them so much and are willing to do anything for our kids, right? But if you fear coming, if you fear the coming, or if you fear coming to Christ, because we might offend our kids, then you are not worthy of Christ. This is what he's saying. See, as we look at this, right, as we begin to meditate on this, I also want to give you another way of denying Christ and loving your family more than Christ. When you allow your, if you are in your home, and if you allow your parents and your kids to sin, understand this. You are loving your family more than Christ. I'm going to give you an an illustration of this. We once had a party at my house, and and I remember uh, at that at this party. You know what I always told my parents: no alcohol. As a believer, I you know prior to being a believer, we had all the alcohol, right? Just like many of us. But as believers, you know what I said: no more alcohol, right? And and we had this party at my house, and. And, you know, we're having this party and all of a sudden I see these bottles that people are drinking and I'm like, where did they come from, right? 
And I began to go in my house and in the back house and I began to look. Where are these bottles coming from, right? People are having it. Well, guess who brought the bottles in? My mom brought the bottles in. And so I found all the bottles, right? And guess what I did with all the bottles? I opened all the bottles and I dumped them down the sink. And guess what? My mom was furious. But that didn't matter, right? Because who are we supposed to love more than our family? Christ. She eventually understood this because now she's a believer and she knows this, right? But what about our kids? Understand this. As parents, if you have a house or if people live in your house, then you are to love Christ more than those that live there. With your kids, when you allow them to sin, when you allow them to do things in your house, guess what you're doing? You're denying Christ because you're showing everyone that you love your kids more than Christ. When you're allowing them to do these things, you are saying, I love Christ. I mean, I love my kids more than Christ. I'm denying what He's asked me to do. See, for us, we've got to make these choices, right? We've got to make these decisions. As disciples of Christ, we are to love Christ more than our families. Whether they're kids, whether they're relatives, whoever lives in your household, you are to not deny Christ and to do as He says. If we go on to verse 38, He says this, And he who does not take up his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He who finds his life will lose it, and he who loses his life for my sake will find it. The sixth principle we have here is that disciples take up their cross. Disciples take up their cross. And many people get confused with this one because they're always saying, you know what, I got burdens in my life, I got cares in my life, it's a, you know what, I got I to gotta take up my cross. You know what, that's all false. See, when Jesus mentioned this to His disciples, they knew exactly what He was talking about. And you know what He was talking about? Dying for Christ. See, because giving up on the world is one thing, right? We can give up on the world, right? We can... We can give up and say, you know what, I don't want what the world offers me, I want Christ. Or we, tell, we say to ourselves, well, you know what, I could give up my family and to serve Christ. But the most challenging thing to do is to give up your life for Christ. That's the most challenging, right? Because, okay, our family, we can do it. The world, we can do it. But what about me? Can I give up the cares? Can I give up these things, you know, that, that I care about so much? Am I willing to give up my life? Am I willing to die for Christ? Jesus says, as a disciple, if you are not, you are not worthy of Christ. Imagine that. This is a new concept for us, right? To be willing to die for Christ. Why do you see so many, disciples, so many followers of Christ that are willing to give up their life for Him? And believe me, it's not easy, but it is required. Taking up your cross is, giving, is dying for Christ. And I want to give you this illustration, this example, because as Jesus took up His cross and was willing to die for us, we as students, we as disciples, are called to take up our cross and be willing to die for Him. Just as He did it for us, we have to have that same heart that He has. Remember, we're the students. We're the disciples, right? We're the ones that... that, uh, that He's called to, to imitate Him. See, His Word tells us that we're not to hold on to life. In other words, don't cling to it so tightly that, you won't, that, 
that because you understand one thing, you're going to lose it. But if you are willing to give it up for Him, you will find it in the end. You will find life. See, how many of us are willing to give up our life for Jesus Christ? See, this is what He's talking about here. This is what's so amazing about Christ. Is that as He gave His life for you, He's asking, are you willing to give it for me? Remember Jim Elliot? Jim Elliot, the missionary. Remember him? He's the one that went into South America, into Ecuador, right? And before he was martyred by the indigenous people, the tribe there in Ecuador, this is what he wrote. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what, which, to gain that which he cannot lose. What does this mean, right? As we read it, right? I want to tell you what it means. We give up our lives for Christ to gain eternal life. We give up our lives for Christ to gain eternal life. See, as the Spirit of God moved in Gemellion to realize this very important truth, it was the same truth that He told to Paul the Apostle. Remember what he wrote in Philippians 1.21, he says, For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. This is, what it, this is what we're called to do. If we are disciples of Christ, these are the principles that He wants us to live by. And I'm going to give you the final one. It begins here in verse 40. It says, He who receives you receives me. And who, he who receives me receives him who sent me. He who receives a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. And he who receives a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward. And whoever gives... One of these little ones, only a cup of cold water in the name of a disciple, assuredly, I say to you, he shall by no means lose his reward. Principle number seven is this. Disciples love one another. Disciples love one another. When Jesus spoke of the prophets, when he spoke of the righteous, when he spoke of this little one, he says, if you take them in, if you help them, if you support them, if you love on them, then guess what? you will receive your reward. See, the reward for us is to, is to live with Christ. The reward for us is to, is to have Christ tell us, well done, good and faithful servants. You were like the teacher. You were like the master. See, as we look at this, right, we are to love one another as those that belong to Christ. Understand this. If we are to love on one another, we are to care for one another, we are to pray for one another, we are to support one another. And believe me, what you see going on in Christianity is what the world is looking for. The love that we have for one another, the fact that we care for one another. And this is why Jesus said in John 13 verse 35, By this all will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Amen? This is what sets us apart from the world. The care that we have for one another, the love, the fact that we want to spend a, a lot more time with one another than we do some of our own families. This is love. This is the fact that you're willing to be there for somebody at the middle of the night when they call you on the phone and says, I need prayer. My life is messed up or my father is in this or my daughter's here or my son is there. Can you pray with me? And we're willing to be there for each other. You're willing to reach out to help them when they're down and out. 
This is what Jesus is talking about. This is the love that we have for one another. And this is how people know that we belong to Him. I'm going to summarize, just to remind you of these seven principles as disciples of Christ. We don't fear the world. We give out the message of Christ. We fear God. We confess Jesus. We love God more than our family. We take up our cross and we love one another. As disciples, we've been called to do this. If you call yourself a Christian, this is what's required of you. This is what Jesus was telling the apostles. This is what Jesus was telling those that followed Him. This is required of you. This is what a disciple does. And I'm going to finish with one final scripture from Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. This is what it means to be a disciple. This is what Paul has summarized for us as he wrote the letter to Galatians. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. You are now a disciple. You are to be like the teacher. You are to be like the master. And I'm going to give you an opportunity now to do this. I want everyone's eyes to close. And I want your heads to bow. And I'm going to give you now an opportunity to make things right with Christ. For those of you that desire to surrender your life to Jesus Christ, to receive the rewards of following Christ, to receive the forgiveness of sin, to be able to call yourself a Christian and to live in eternity with God, I'm going to ask you now to raise your hand and we're going to pray for you. Anybody wanting to do this now, raise your hand and we will pray for you. Anybody wanting to be a disciple of Christ, a follower of Christ, if you're practicing sin, it's time to confess. If you never surrender your life to Christ, it's time to confess. If this is you, raise your hand and we will pray for you. Anybody wanting to do this? Anybody wanting to do this now? Don't let the devil keep your hand down because he wants to keep you in chains. But the Lord wants to set you free and you experience freedom when you invite Jesus into your life by faith. Before I close, anybody wanting to do this? Amen. Anyone else? Anyone else? Anyone else? You want freedom? You want forgiveness? You want the burden of your sin to be taken off your back, off your life, the stress that you experience all morning, all night because of your sin, to know that it's been forgiven by God. You've got to confess Jesus. Anyone else wanting to do this, raise your hand and we will pray for you. Amen. Anyone else? Anyone else? Anyone else? Anyone else? Confess Him before men. Anyone else? For those that raised your hand, I'm going to ask you now to stand up. We don't deny Jesus, remember. We confess Him. And so stand up and I will have you repeat these words after me. Stand up.
Lord Jesus, I ask for your forgiveness. I'm a sinner. I need you, Lord. Thank you for your love and your mercy. Thank you for taking me in. I'm going to ask you now to dwell in me, to live in me, to rule in me. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for your mercy and your grace. Thank you for receiving me through your Son. Holy Spirit, be the power that overflows for me. I need your power. Lord Jesus, you are my Lord and you are my Savior. And I proclaim this today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. As you raised, as you stood up and surrendered yourself to Jesus, there's going to be someone in the back that will talk to you, that will give you a package, and they'll pray for you. So God bless you.